Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, and I'm here with... David Barker. And uh, Dave, today we are thinking about my sermon on Sunday. I need, you some, I need some help reflecting on this. I'm working through Matthew, and uh, I'm, com- I'm coming across the Judas-Peter um, rivalry, or at least their, their circumstances where um, good men, at least superficially on the surface, tragic ends, right? And I think it's, it's also divine coincidence that um, we're thinking again as pastors about uh, followers of Jesus, prominent followers of Jesus, who uh, sin in such a way that they might think that it's all over for them and there's uh, no hope. So I want to just talk about, just thinking out loud about Peter's experience, how it's different from Judas's experience, because they both felt really bad about their mm-hmm. sin. And uh, for one of them, it, it ended up in taking his life, a place, I think, where some Christians find themselves uh, thinking about the very same thing. But on the other hand, Peter uh, doesn't close the door. He continues to deal with his um, grief mm-hmm. long enough to be restored. And so in light of our current ministry situation and how Christians find themselves uh, committing sins that you would think are unpardonable, but what kind of, how how would you think about that and what kind of hope can uh, we offer uh, any Christian, for instance, who deals with that kind of depression or they have thoughts about suicide or maybe they're, they're... They've, they've got a family member who has ended their life. You, there are some theological traditions that say that's an unpardonable sin, so on and so forth. So can we just think about that and maybe uh, encourage some of our fellow pastors and family members who are dealing with that? Yeah, and I think we start with um, thinking about what is the unpardonable sin. And it's interesting, just even in class, I just, I just finished a hermeneutics class uh, half an hour ago, and um, one of the students was reflecting on a particular denomination that would somehow got in got in got in engaged in the in the conversation, and for them, uh, the unpardonable sin was not being baptized, which I thought was mm. rather interesting. Now that it's out our side, it's outside of our Baptist tradition, mm-hmm. but it came from another tradition. Um, but, uh, you know, we've all, you and I have probably been asked many times, what is the unpardonable sin? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Um, we've all heard about the, 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 the cemeteries with a little corner where the people who have committed suicide are buried mm-hmm. because um, uh, they've committed the unpardonable sin. The reality is, when you look at the context of what that's about, it's talking about unbelief. It's talking about failure to believe in Christ. It's failure to to actually embrace who Jesus is and the mission and message of uh, of who and Christ to, is, and to reject it in as much as you know it, right? Yeah, exactly. But it's a it's an act of rejection of the mission and message of Christ, and it's 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 the sin of unbelief. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you don't believe in Christ. 
then, you know, redemption is not yours. Yeah. So I think we, we got to start there and realize what it is and what it isn't. And for sure, it isn't suicide, taking your own life. I, I don't see that anywhere in the context of... Well, any- okay, so the, the question that sometimes people ask is, does, can a real Christian commit that kind of sin? Is, is that kind of sin evidence that this person must never have really known the Lord Jesus? I, that is, I, I, I can't fathom the notion that a real Christian cannot commit just about any sin. We are broken, wounded, sinful people. We are not redeemed yet. And I think we need to be really, really careful of saying that if someone does commit suicide, that demonstrates the fact that they were not a Christian. I, I, I can't go there. Well, I think there, there are examples in the Old Testament, right, uh, where, oh man, I got to think, who was it that said, I want to die, the, the prophet uh, Elijah? Sure, okay. He wanted to die, right? Things weren't going well for him. His life was being pursued by um, Jezebel. Right. And... Yeah, people say that, but let's let's assume he meant it, that those were suicidal thoughts that he had. Oh, I, I, I'm sure that that's the case and have been for many, many others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if asked of many people, they might say, you know what? <clears throat> Sometimes I just think I've had enough and I want to, and I want out. Um, and I don't think that we need to say to them that those are, unpardonable sin kind of thoughts. I think it's a struggle that we have with living in our world today, and it's very broken, very sinful, and, and uh, full of grief. And sometimes those realities are, are there for all of us. And you don't say to someone in the midst of that, what's the matter with you? You're a Christian. Where's the joy of the Lord? Uh, now your sin is compounded because you're feeling guilty about feeling rejected. Uh, but how how would you counsel someone who is in the depths of despair like that? Uh, is there counsel, or do you just sit with them and trust somehow that they'll work their way through it? Well, I think you sit with them, but uh, we journey. That's our task. That's our task as pastors. Mm-hmm. Is we're shepherds of a flock, and the flock have different kinds of sheep. And there are sheep that are not doing well. And yeah, we sit with them mm-hmm. and we journey with them. We, we engage the conversation. And I know you, everybody's going to think, yeah, here goes Barker again. But we go into the Psalms. We go into the lament. We allow people to bring that voice as a voice of worship. And some of those, some of those Psalms mm-hmm. of lament are deep, deep. Like, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? Mm-hmm. Um, and those are deep, deep, passionate voices uh, that are legitimate voices of worship that we as pastors need to be prepared to journey with people and allow those voices to happen and to take the time to do it. So, yeah, we do sit with them. Okay, so when, when someone in, in um, a, a clear frame of mind says suicide like the song suicide is painless um it really does make sense to me 
in my circumstances to take stewardship of my life and to end it. God has given me this life. It's my life. I have sovereignty over it to some degree. And uh, it's just better for me to end my life. I'm not saying that's actually clear thinking, but let's say that that's a rationale that people give. What would you say is, um, what makes suicide a sin instead of just a, a painless option? Well, it, I, think we, I think we actually go to the Ten Commandments and uh, to take one's own life is a form of, it's, it's self-murder, I guess. You could say it that way. And I think it's important to realize that the reason why murder was prohibited in the Ten Commandments, I think there are a number of reasons, but the primary one was that every human being is an image bearer of God. And to take another human being's life in a murder kind of way, um, and of course, you know, we've got all the exceptions of war and, and those kinds of things, but mm-hmm. when it's high-handed murder, um, it is killing an image of God-bearer. And Walter Kaiser, years ago, in his book, Towards an Old Testament Theology, or maybe it was Towards an Old Testament Ethic, argued, and I think well, well done, that we are killing God in effigy. We when we kill ki- ourselves. Yes, we are killing the image-bearing nature, an image-bearer of God. We are killing the representative. That's who we are. As image-bearers of God, we are the representatives of God in the world. So do you think that someone who's thinking suicidal thoughts doesn't understand the value that they have? Because quite often they think, I'm worthless. I don't mean anything. But when they, and maybe that's the piece that they're lacking, they need to be assured that that their life does have meaning. It does have it's it's sacred it's it's the image of god it's more than you think and to take that valuable life is just the ultimate waste i completely agree and i th- i think we have got to work harder at celebrating every human being irrespective of who that person is is an image bearer of god but as kaiser said the the life is not owed, like when there's life taken in this way. Mm-hmm. The life is not owed to the family per se, although you can say that. The life is not owed to society, although you could say that. Ultimately, the life is owed to God mm-hmm. because we are his image bearers. And so it is an issue of, of, of taking a life that belongs to God with all the value that we have as image bearers of God, and that life is now owed to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're right. We have not celebrated enough the fact that every human being has amazing value in the eyes of God. Okay, just a few minutes left. I want to get back to uh, old Peter, right? Um, just bring him into our modern context. An outstanding servant of Christ, selected for apostolic ministry, uh, manifesting, I believe, uh, the gifts of an apostle. Mm-hmm. But he, he fails miserably, denies Christ with an oath, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And what assurance or comfort is there in um, that, that account of Peter and even his restoration? Can we apply that to uh, colleagues today whose, whose sin is catastrophic? And um, can they be restored to ministry, or do we say, well, okay, you can still be a Christian, I guess, that's God's business, but in terms of ministry, you're toast. Wow. It's, uh, you have about two and a half minutes. <laughs> it's tough to say to anybody that you're toast, right? Uh, that's such a, t- such a final kind of thing, and we are all fallen and broken. We're all sinful. I I, perhaps at times I'm glad that people don't know some of the deepest thoughts of my own life and mm-hmm. heart because we struggle with mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And But at the same time, when there is a catastrophic failure, it's not just a betrayal of that person, but it's a betrayal of the gospel and a tr- betrayal of the church, betrayal of the mission of the church. And so... It's an issue of the church being willing to trust that person again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if, if that's the case and that trust can be restored through restoration, redemption, whatever, you know, I think the church has a place to say where that person can come back into uh, the life of the ministry. Uh, I, yeah, I think I, I think I would say it that way. And isn't it? It's beautiful how in the uh, in the in the resurrection account, when the the angel sends for the disciples, he says, "Go tell the disciples and Peter." Right? Yeah. Just very specific, you know, lest he be overcome with grief. And then there's that three times where Jesus says, "Peter, feed my sheep." You know, and it's just so encouraging to know that even to deny Christ with a curse. And it may be that this season of denial is not just a couple of days. It, it may be weeks, months, even years, where someone continues in what looks like apostasy. But in the sovereign grace of God, they come back and can be restored. The way home is always open to, to, the, to Jesus and to mercy. And I just think that uh, as leaders in the church who deal with leaders it's it's just a great comfort to know that um our good shepherd um can bring us out of that those kind of doldrums and into a place where we're encouraged so dave we're out of time right now uh we're gonna we're gonna revisit this subject from a different angle in our next podcast but until next time thanks for thinking about this with us and if you're in a place where you just want to talk to Dave or to myself, just send us an email and we'd be glad to uh, share with you off air, maybe pray with you if that's what you'd like. Until then, until next time, I'm Bob McGregor and I'm here with Dave Barker. Thanks for thinking about it with us.